Hey, welcome to Permanent Waves. My name is Jared Grieco. This is Permanent Waves, a podcast all about Rush. Thank you so much for being here, listening and downloading and all the things that you do uh, to keep us running. Uh, I have it's uh, a story. It's interesting because uh, for, for right now, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get uh, certified to be a music teacher. One of the things you have to do to be, to be a music teacher or any teacher in my lovely state of New York State is you need to student teach. It's part of the requirement for certification. So, um, and what what happens during student teaching is uh, you graduate from the school, you go to a high school or an elementary school. In my case, it was both. You have a sponsor teacher, and that teacher helps you figure out what you do as a teacher, right? Um, and you do it for six or eight weeks at each one, and... Eventually, you're you have a what's called a solo week, and you're doing everything. You are the teacher of that program for uh, a few weeks. Uh, what was interesting to me was that after my time at the elementary school, where I taught first, second, third, fourth, and fifth graders, uh, the the kids became very attached to me, and it it was not like. I don't think they love me any more than they would love anyone who was their student teacher. My sponsor teacher would tell me, well, you know, they're going to love you because you're not me. And that made a lot of sense to me, right? New guy comes in and they're, they're, they just, they think, they like trick themselves into thinking they love you. Uh, so I get done with my time there and I come back and visit and the second they see me, they they treat me like God. They they treat me like a higher being, uh, and it's I didn't like it. I thought when I went there, I would love attention. It throughout my life, I've liked attention. You know, <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people like attention, uh, and I thought I'd be okay with it, but I was not because in my head, I didn't think I did the the best job I could, like I, I'm always trying to be a better teacher and be a better performer or whatever. I'm always trying to be better. So when you have a large group of fourth graders yelling for you, it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. And it made me think, wow, this is the first time uh, that I have felt what Neil feels. And I know it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch to compare, but for Neil to say, uh, listen, I don't hate my fans. I'm just shy. And I don't like when people say, oh, my God, you're the best drummer ever. And I worship you and all these things. Now I get it. I, now I understand, oh, that's uncomfortable. And that's what he says. It just makes me uncomfortable. I don't like people to tell me I'm amazing. And I, before my experience, I thought, well, you're really good, man. Like, what's wrong with people saying you're really good and I like what you do? And it, there's more to that. There's uh, a level of, uh, I don't know. It, it just didn't. It doesn't feel good to have people screaming so loudly for you for something that you were supposed to do anyway, right? Like, I ha- I didn't have a choice. I had to student teach, and I did the best job that I possibly could. But in my head, I was like, oh well, this lesson didn't work. I had this lesson plan that I thought would be great, and it failed miserably. The kids didn't get it. The kids weren't engaged, whatever it may have been. And in my head, I'm like, well, that was a a failure of a lesson. I need to fix that lesson. 
and, and I don't deserve that all of that pr- like uh, fake and unnatural praise just because I'm a, a person that they liked seeing every day or for whatever reason that they're acting like that. So I totally get what what Neil feels now. And I, like I said a second ago, I was the I used to be the complete other end of it. I would think, Neil, you're so good. Why does it bug you? Uh, it's uncomfortable. It's something that I totally get why he doesn't want to be around that kind of thing now. Uh, and it also, we all kind of play these games like, what would we say if we met one of the guys? And I've always thought with Neil, like, would I slip something? Would I f- pretend like I didn't know who he was and try to have a conversation? Would I let him go? Would I just not talk to him at all and just be like, yeah, I saw Neil Peart? Uh, what about Alex? What about Getty? I think with those two, I would definitely say, some, I would say, I'm a really big fan of your music. Your music really changed my life. And it's really nice to meet you. How about them Blue Jays? Uh, for Getty, for sure, I would definitely go into some baseball talk. Um, but with Neil, I think I would absolutely not say anything. I would just have, even if it were just two words with the guy, and then I could tell people on my podcast and people in real life that I got to talk to Neil Peart. I totally get that he's, uh, you know, for another example. When I got to the my high school placement, uh my sponsor teacher made it, made me seem like a like the best bass player that exists in my area which was nice but I, that's not I'm not the best bass player that exists uh in my area so for all these kids to be talking to me and you know prospective music students who are just getting out of high school in a couple months and want to pursue music in school were asking me these questions which I am always so open to I will totally talk to you and give you advice or even if you just want to know what music school was like that's fine and then I had one student a bass player who just started talking baseball with me and it was so refreshing that suddenly you're not like this this person who's done all these things and 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 people want to know and, and people are asking you and they're and they're shy and they're giggling it's just Oh, so uh, the Red Sox made a trade yesterday, and it was so nice. It was like Neil talking to whoever about, you know, books or things that people who read books do. Uh, For Christmas, my father got me a new Rush book I did not know existed. And I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. I'm not the best reader, and I'd like, I wish I could read faster, and then I could read more often. But I bet if I did those other, those two things the other way around, it would happen. Uh, it's a book all about the band's lyrics, Neil's lyrics, uh, not so much about the band part of things. So I'm really curious. I started reading the first chapter yesterday, and I'll keep you guys updated on how that book is going. And I'll also have the title to give to you in case you're interested. So we have a really good show today. I have a couple of things that really are far-fetched but really interesting to throw at you. Uh, so I'm recording this on New Year's Day. It is the first day of 2015, and we are still wondering about this tour. And now people are getting scared. Is this thing really happening? Uh, from what we know, Alex says, yeah, it's happening. And now Getty's like backing out saying, whoa, wait a minute. We're not sure about anything yet. And uh, none of it's making sense to me. Something's fishy, right? Something's not right here. And it made me wonder, you know, we got, the band is teasing us right now. 
They're going back and forth. It doesn't really seem like Getty and Alex are on the same page in terms of what they're talking about. And then I came across an article on Facebook, I think, that said, so-and-so drops surprise album. And I thought, do you think Rush would ever record a surprise album and release it without telling anyone? Think about it. They, you know, they've been a band that tries to keep up with uh, mainstream media. I absolutely think that's something they might, they would, they would do. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that's what's happening right now. But if you think about it, it is a possibility that right now they kind of got their lies not quite in order. Um, maybe they slipped up a little bit, and maybe they're in the studio right now. We don't really know. But how cool would that be if right now, in early January, they're recording a brand new album of new material, and they are going to tour this summer, they're going to tour for that album, and let's say mid-February, or I don't know, it'd probably, I'm sure if this were to happen, they would have been, have to have been recording way earlier than right now, but what if in a month they drop a new album, and we were all like, oh, I see what happened, uh, if you think about the circumstances that we're in right now, that makes sense. Again, not likely, but it would be cool. Another thing I thought was, what if... I've, I've always thought about this, and I think it, was, it really started to come into fruition in my brain when they came out with Time Machine tour and they they promoted oh moving pictures in its entirety that album that you all loved we're gonna play the whole thing right what's cool about something like that is you get to hear old songs with their new sound uh all three of them have different equipment they all have different ideas of what they want their sound and their tone to be like right their sound is so drastically different than it was in 1981 when they recorded that album i've always thought why not re-record an old album? I would I would be all about that. I really would. As much as I've said this before, uh, if you ask me, you know, what do you want from Rush? One thing, I want new material. I'm taking the new material over a live album or a live tour any day. And while this isn't new material, it's studio material that I'll have forever. And I've always wondered, what if they went into the studio right now and re-recorded Permanent Waves front to back. Or any album, really. I think it's safe to say they wouldn't do some of the super old stuff because of Getty's singing ability right now, right? Um, not to say Permanent Waves is easy singing-wise, but an album that is not so recent like Counterparts, I don't think they would re-record, but something like maybe Grace Under Pressure. Grace Under Pressure would be phenomenal to re-record because I think there were some real deficiencies when that was recorded primarily in the bass department when he had, I, I might catch some heat for this, but possibly the worst sounding bass guitar ever built in a Steinberger. And I know that was, according to some older people that I know, that was the bass. Everyone who was anyone in the bass world was playing a Steinberger back then. If you don't know, that's the bass that had no headstock and hardly any body. It was just the string length. And I know, yeah, Getty said it was good to get around the keyboards. It was lighter. It didn't sound good, Get <laughs> okay? Uh, 
And I think he agrees because he has not used one since. It would be interesting, though. What if they re-recorded that with this big, ballsy snakes and arrows sound? In Clockwork, snakes, and vapor trails were all such big, a uh, big amount of noise. And what if we took the quality we have on Clockwork Angels, which is so punchy and in your face, and applied that to Grace Under Pressure? Think about that. Think about Between the Wheels, which we've heard live a few times, or uh, maybe it was just Snakes. I don't remember. We've heard we've heard it recently, and it's such a big, fat sound now with how their their new equipment. I'd love to hear that in studio format. Just a thought. So uh, Beyonce, here's here's Beyonce on the the surprise album idea because Beyonce did this one year ago. In December 2013, she uh, apparently, I'm not very familiar with Beyonce's stuff or what, you know, her newer things, uh, but this according to the highly, highly accurate and prestigious source, Wikipedia, Beyonce, quote, woke the world in the midnight hour with a surprise visual album, 14 songs, 17 videos dropped via iTunes with no warning. The whole project is a celebration of Beyonce's philosophy, which basically boils down to the fact that Beyonce can do anything she wants to. Now think about that. How many times has Rush said, uh, hmm, I don't know, maybe since like 2112, how many times have they said, we're going to do what we want, right? We've proven ourselves, we're old as dirt, we're going to do what we want to now, right? No one's going to say to Rush, uh, listen, I know you want to drop a, a new surprise album, but you can't do that because, like, we need singles and, like, we need to promote. No, they don't need to do that stuff because there's people like us who listen to Rush podcasts, right? Right? So, they're going to drop a surprise album. You wake up tomorrow and it's all over your, uh, you got emails, you get your Facebook, you get Twitter, everything. Rush drops new surprise album. You're going to buy it without hesitating and you're going to love it. it that's That's the thing, like... When Clockwork was coming out and I was all about the hype about that album, I remember saying to, to people like Chad, an older uh, guest that we had on an older episode, uh, I remember saying, it doesn't matter what is on this album, I'm going to love it. You know, if I could explain to you guys the hatred I felt for Presto when I first heard that, I hated it. I was like, this is so bad. Uh, I recently read a thing that uh, someone else wrote that they agreed they got it when it came out and they were not a fan of it they were expecting something heavy uh but now i love it you got to take it for what it is i realize it's not uh an album you have to expect it to be what it is and now that i do i love it it's the same clock i mean i love clockwork even if it were their first album great album so you would buy it it's you know would we be angry about a surprise album? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be angry. I think it, it's a cool idea because not many people do it still. I think it's really hard to do. You got to admit, if they are doing it, they're doing a, a pretty good job. We're only now kind of starting to sniff them out and be like, wait a minute. You said that you are touring and now you're saying that you're not. I don't know. This is all in my fantasy world. You know, I, <laughs> I think it's safe to say they're not doing this. But also, what if they are? 
And then I'm the only dude on the planet who's like, hey, what if they're doing this? Right? <laughs> I don't know. Let me know what you think. Send me some emails or whatever. Uh, I'd be curious to see uh, how you feel. But man, if that happens, I'd be like the only one that even suggested that. Something's fishy. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem right about what they're saying. Alright, so we have this now. Uh, I want to do a, a few episodes ago. One of the first episodes I did with this podcast, I had Chad Whitco on as a guest. And we had, before we started recording, made our set list predictions for this new tour. Assuming it's a 41st anniversary tour like they say it might be, right? So I had my prediction, my set list prediction. I picked 30 tracks and I put them in order that I think they will play. Not my dream set list, my prediction, right? My dream set list would not include Tom Sawyer. (laughs) All right, sorry. I've heard it a lot, and I want to hear some deep cuts, okay? So knowing what we know, Chad and I, about what this uh, this tour might present to us, we wrote up our 30 tracks uh, in order, setless prediction. We compared them side to side in that episode. We, we did all kinds of things. At least I think I did that on an episode. That was a while ago. Maybe it was just a regular old phone call. So I have a an idea. Let's do a set list challenge, right? Let's do with everybody listening, send me your set list right now. And before the, well, at least before the tour starts, which we think will be late spring, right? May. Uh send me 30 tracks in the order that you think they will be played plus 6 extras, right? I had my 30 tracks, you know, we start with this one, we end with this one at the end of the show, and then six tracks that barely missed the cut. That were your, if there were six more slots that they would play, they would play those tracks. You don't think they're going to play those tracks, but they just missed the cut, okay? And then what we'll do, you send them to me, I'll save them in a document, and I'll compare them all. Once we know the set list, I'll go in and say, let's, here's what I'm thinking now. Five points per track played. If you think they're going to play Circumstances and they play it, you get five points. Then you think they're going to play Subdivisions. In any, anywhere in the show, you get five points because it was on your list. If you get the correct slot, if you think they're going to open with Tom Sawyer and they open with Tom Sawyer, you get the five points for getting the song and you get an extra point because you, got the, you said it, they would play at number one and you got it. If you think they're going to play Dreamline, 18th song of the night, and it's 18th, you get an extra point. Lastly, if they play one of the extra songs you have written, you didn't have that in your set list, but you had it as one of your six extras, you get one point, right? I will tally them all up. We'll see who wins. I think that's a good idea. It's something, uh, something fun that we can do. I just need your set list, so send them my way. I'll have it in the show notes at uh, rushcast.podbean.com, my email, and send them to me because I think that would be a really cool thing to see. I, I'm also always super curious and interested to see what other people think we're going to hear. Uh, Alex said that it was going to be a rare opportunity for them to play some really deep cuts. And I'm all about the deep cuts. Brandon Dyke from a few episodes ago thinks they're going to play Available Light. 
That's a stretch if I've ever heard one, Brandon. But I'm with you. Great track. I would love to hear that live. I'd be shocked if they did, but I would love it. So the thing to keep in mind is this challenge, this contest, is uh, free. I have no money to offer you if you win. (laughs) I wish I did. I would give you the money, but I have no money. It is a prediction. It is not your dream set list. My, like I said, my dream set list would not include Limelight <laughs> or any of those other ones I've heard a billion times. Okay, it would be, it would be Power Windows and Counterparts and like a little bit of Snakes and Arrows probably. Okay, uh, send them to me, please. Again, I haven't decided. I need a better email than my super long personal email to say on the on the air. So look on the in the show notes. At, uh, it'll be on iTunes as well. Rushcast.podbean.com, and you'll see that email. And please send me thirty tracks in order that you think they'll play on this new spring slash summer tour. Tell me what you think about a surprise album, and I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much. This is a fun episode. I like I like being conspiracy conspiracy theory guy when it comes to Rush because um, I think it's possible they might do something out of the norm. Everybody likes to deviate from the norm, right? I love you all. Brought to you. No, by- I say brought to you by Knickerbocker.